Mark 7, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house, did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syria and Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. And Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh. Ephatha. <sighs> he said, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened. He began to speak plainly. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. Even, he even makes a deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word for you. Go ahead and take a seat. Um, I love how the passage ends with this moment of amazement that everybody's feeling as they see Jesus. And I gotta tell you, I've been amazed by what Jesus has been doing in this community. Let me highlight a couple key things. Number one, a few weeks ago, we prayed for people in our congregation to be healed. Do you remember that? We just had people stand up. Is there a place of healing that you need? And a guy just last weekend was telling me when he came in that Sunday, his left shoulder was in excruciating pain, could not even lift it. And for weeks, it, he didn't know what to do. Uh, he had lost a lot of weight from the lack of mobility of his arm. But as soon as he stood up and let us pray over people, uh, his arm was healed. And he w wanted to wait two weeks to make sure it wasn't just a moment. But indeed, his arm was healed from that, whatever it was that was afflicting him. So praise be to God. Come on. God's on the move. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The second story was, we studied the feeding the 5,000. Do you remember that passage? And this family was hosting uh, their child's uh, varsity football team. Now think about that for a minute. <laughs> yep, that's a lot of people, over 100 people. I think those 100 people could eat more than 5,000 families. <laughs> and there they were, had a, hosted everybody for dinner, and it was so spectacular. The coach leans into the parents and said, this was amazing. Can we do it again? And remembering this, the passage on the 5,000, they said, okay, we'll do it again. So we're here to not just listen and learn. We're here to respond to God in all the little ways that we see God give us opportunity. And we have an opportunity this morning. God has a word for us today. Now let's start with Christmas for a minute to get into this passage. It's a tough one. But let's start with a lighthearted moment. You know, when we go to Christmas, it's a peculiar tradition that we have. Can you imagine coming down Christmas morning, let's throw the gift up, and all the gifts are unwrapped and they're just sitting there. Wouldn't that take a little something out of Christmas? Wouldn't you feel it a little bit? There's something about wrapping the gift. You with me? 
Think about the peculiarity of this tradition that is a part of this Christian celebration. The idea that we wrap things in order to be unwrapped. Ever wrap something so beautifully, you just hate to see it unwrapped? You know what I mean? You got the lights on, you got the bow, and it's like, ah, oh, it's so good. Like, why would we want to tear this apart? But there we are, paying all this money and time just to shred it open. Some things are hidden so that they may be found. Are you with me? That's the unique, peculiar thing about Christmas. And it helps us understand a little bit about what we're about to see with Jesus in this passage. Look at this, verse 24. Jesus left that place, went to the vicinity of Tyre, and he entered a house, and look at this, and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. Have you ever felt like God was hiding from you? Have you ever had a moment in your life when you felt like God was hidden from you? Why is Jesus hiding in this moment? Well, there's a couple things we can come up with. Number one, the hiding perhaps is because Jesus wants to invest some time in his disciples and give them some rest and give them some up close and personal teaching away from the crowd. There's that. But there's also this recurring pattern in Mark where Jesus is constantly hiding himself. You notice at the end of the passage, he does this great work and he's like, don't tell anybody. Why is Jesus doing this? Why does it feel like God sometimes is hidden in our life? And that, this moment touches on an experience that every one of us is going to have with God if you take God seriously. Now, if you don't take God very seriously, you are not going to relate to this, so just relax. But for those of you who take God seriously, you're going to have moments where it feels like God is hidden to you. And there's a couple ways in which we experience God's hiddenness. Number one, his invisibility. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard enough to relate to the people we can see. Are you with me? I mean, your spouse, your children, your teammate, your coach, it's like we can see these people and they can give, enough, give us enough challenge as it is. Now, how much more God, who is invisible, sometimes this hiddenness is experienced in God's silence where we don't hear God responding in prayer and we're like, God, where are you? In other cases, it's his incomprehensibility. Those moments in our life when we just can't make sense of what God is doing and it, we feel confused by God. Have you ever been there? Well, this moment, this passage is going to help us go out into those deep waters of God's hiddenness to grapple with what is God doing in this moment? Now, the hiddenness of God can be a reason for doubt. Now, there's actually, in philosophical atheism, a family of arguments around the hiddenness of God that goes something like this, that if God was more real, it would be more obvious. And the basis of atheism is that because God is hidden to us, it must be because he doesn't exist. And it goes on, and it says this, if God was good and loving, he would make it easier to know him. Are you with me? Have you ever been there trying to know God? And it feels like, man, God, where are you? If you love me, why are you making it so hard to find you? Those experiences in our life where we are searching for something, looking for something, maybe not even God, and the difficulty in finding that thing 
makes us begin to doubt it even exists for us. Is there really some, do, is there a soulmate out there for me? Is there really a job for me out there? Do you, do, can you relate to that? But what if there's another reason for God's hiddenness? And what if God's hiddenness is not what we think it is? Check this out. Um, in Mark chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus talks about hiddenness. If you have your books, turn there real quick, because this is going to help us understand this really difficult moment with this woman. In Mark 4, 22, Jesus starts talking about hidden things. And he says this, for whatever is hidden is meant to never be discovered. Ah, now go back to Christmas. You remember that Christmas idea? The gift. Okay, here we go. Whatever is hidden is meant to be. Oh, okay. I don't know if we're here today. <laughs> whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. There it is. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, look at this for a minute, and you can see the relationship between this teaching and our moment. Jesus is hidden, and yet he is found. Can you see that? Secondly, this passage, Jesus says, what he who has ears to hear, let them hear. And in this passage, Jesus heals a what? A deaf man who can't hear and gives him hearing. Do you see the relationship? Jesus' teaching is for this moment. And Jesus is talking to us about those experiences of God's hiddenness. What is the lesson that Jesus wants to give us as we go into this story with the woman? What's the lesson? Look at this moment right here. Look at this teaching. What is hidden is meant to be disclosed, which means this. Take this to heart. God does not hide from us. He hides for us. Now, there's a difference. I want you to think about that. God doesn't hide from you. He hides for you. Think about Easter eggs. If you hide them too well, all the fun is gone. But why do we hide those Easter eggs? Why do we hide all those little treats and send the kids out? It's so that they can be found. And where is God doing this in your life? Because that's what he's doing here. Because in the hiding, Jesus develops in us persevering faith, which takes our faith in Jesus and makes it personal. When Jesus hides, it is so that he can develop in you a persevering faith to draw out greater measures of God's goodness in your life. Now, let's talk about that and how we see this with this woman. Let's talk about persevering faith. And if I have time, we'll get to the deaf man, but I didn't this morning, so you'll have to listen to the podcast this week. Here we go, verse 25. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syria and Phoenicia. Okay, uh, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter, and he says to her, here it is, here's the hard moment, that moment where Jesus is not physically hidden, but his intention appears to be hidden from her. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, that's a hard moment. This has got to be one of the hardest 
moments between Jesus and another person in all the Gospels, and I'm going to take the time to really unpack it so we understand it, because the lesson in it is so crucial for us, and there's a reason why it's so difficult, because it matches the difficulty in our experiences with God when we are with Him at these kinds of moments in our life. And we need to press into the difficulty if we are going to press through the difficult moments in our life with him. Let's start with the woman. This woman is, what's unique about this woman? Anything stand out to you about this woman? What's that? She's Greek. She's Syrian Phoenician, which means, if you're new to here this week, she is a Gentile. Now, what does that mean? She's not Jewish. This is the first non-Jewish person that Jesus has healed. She is outside the family of God. She probably worships a whole bunch of other gods and not Yahweh. And so she's a, for the first Gentile to approach Jesus. Now, when we look at this moment and the way Jesus responds in verse 27, it has got to be one of the hardest parables in all of the Gospels. And it is a parable. Do you remember what Jesus said about parables in chapter four? Do you remember? Who are parables for? You remember that? Think about it. Who are they for? All right. What's that? Yes, they are for people who can hear. And that's what we're going to see her give an example of. And who else are they for? Okay, you need to go back and look at that. Okay. You go back and look at it. But check this out. The question is going to come up. Is Jesus putting her off because she's a woman? Is he putting her off? Is this an example of racism where he's pushing her off because she's not Jewish? And these questions rise, and all the literature out there analyzing this passage, this is a major challenge point. And there are moments in our life where we feel that sometimes God is hidden from us because there are things about us that disqualify us from God. We don't have enough faith. We're not spiritual enough because of something in our life, because something in our family, we feel excluded from God. She is an outsider. The question is, why does Jesus talk to her this way? It's not because she's a woman. We've watched Jesus minister to all kinds of women. Do you remember the woman who had been bleeding? Is it because she has a demon-possessed daughter? No, because we've seen Jesus heal all kinds of people who are demonized. There's something special about the fact that she is an outsider that Jesus wants us to slow down and watch. Now, Jesus uses a parable. Let's talk about the parable. First, let the children eat all they want. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What does Jesus mean by this? And what does he want to accomplish by this moment? I want to highlight two things. This moment represents in one parable the priority of God's people and God's gift of blessing, and secondly, the prejudice among God's people for those who are on the outside. Priority and prejudice. Let me unpack that for a minute. We've got to get this. Priority. What does it mean about priority? Well, if you go back to Genesis 12 and God's with Abraham, what did he say to Abraham? What was the first covenant? What was that promise? Do you remember Genesis 12? He says to Abraham, I will bless you. I'm going to bless God's people so that, what? Do you remember the rest of it? So that all people will be blessed through you. Now, that's the priority. God blesses his children so that they will take that privilege and that blessing and take it to those who are outsiders. Do you hear that? 
But something has happened to the people of God where they have mistaken that priority as a privilege and superiority over other people on the outside. And that has resulted in a prejudice because at this time, it was common for Jews to look at Gentiles as dogs. And calling them dogs was a way of diminishing their right to be among the people of God. And so in one parable, Jesus brings up two major obstacles that appear to hide God from this woman. God's people first, and the prejudice of you are an outsider, you have no right. Now that's what Jesus is doing, and he's bringing it up right now in front of this woman. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus do that? Why not just bless her? Why does God make us wait? Why not just when we pray, answer our prayer? If God is so real, God is so awesome, why the second you pray, does God not just come down in a cloud of glory and go, what's up? I got your back. Bam, I put that guy in his place for you. Oh, yeah, I saw what that guy did. Oh, I got him now. Mm, I got your back. But why doesn't God move so fast? You know, if he's so big and strong, why doesn't he just show up and bring his power and demonstrate himself? We got to understand this. We have to understand that. Because if you take God seriously, you're going to get here. You're going to be crying out to God. And you're going to come up against his hiddenness, his silence, his incomprehensibility, his invisibility. God, do you hear me? Are you really there? Where are you? Now watch. What is Jesus doing? Check out this verse, James chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this verse. Remember when we read the book of James last year? Here we are. We're back at James. And look at what James says. Because you know. And you know this, right? You know this. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now that's what's going on in this moment. In these moments when God is hidden to us, it's experienced as a testing of our faith to develop in us something called persevering faith. To develop that inner strength in us. Now let me define it for us. What is perseverance? If you got your notes out, here we go. Perseverance is the ability to hold on to the goodness of God in the face of every obstacle that wants to make you quit. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Perseverance is the ability, the strength, the willingness to hold on to the goodness of God in the face of every obstacle that wants to make us quit. Now, have you ever been there with somebody in your life? Have you ever had somebody in your life that you had to persevere with? My wife has to persevere with me every day. Because every day I am giving her, wait for it, obstacles that may make her want to quit that I'm going to finally get it figured out. One of them. I'll give you an example. One of those little areas that she just almost quit on me on. You know, these are the little things that come up in marriage. These little things that can become like an avalanche of frustration and just tear you apart, was I just had a hard time after my shower just squeegeeing the glass around the shower. <laughs> I was, I don't know. I don't know, do other dudes out there that care? I just didn't care. I was like, oh, I'm in a hurry. I got to get out of here. And every week, she, every week, multiple times, she like, you didn't squeegee the shower. 
And there she is. And there she is having to practice perseverance to hold on to my goodness despite every bit of evidence speaking to the contrary. (laughs) Now, look, we need perseverance. We need to persevere and hold on to the best in one another in the face of real reasons to doubt in them. But when it comes to God, we project onto God that imperfection. And when God doesn't move the way we expect or hope or want or need, we start to put onto him, he must not exist, he must not love me, he must not care, God doesn't do that stuff anymore, and we start writing him off. Have you done that in your life with God? Come on now, where have you done that with God? Because that's what this passage is addressing. And there are barriers in our life that get in the way. And this woman is facing one of those barriers. Now, listen, Jesus doesn't test us to break us, but here it is, to train us to break through. Are you with me? He doesn't test us to break us, but to train us, to strengthen us, to break through the obstacles between us and God's goodness. You see, why doesn't God just bring the smack down for us? But the way that God has chosen to work in this world, get this, is through you. You see, pay attention. God wants to bless this world with his supernatural goodness, but he has decided to do it through his people. But first, his people got to get filled with his blessing so that through his people, he can bless those on the outside. And so he's got to train us how to persevere through those obstacles and how to fight. And that's what's going on in this moment. Let's talk about that. Jesus doesn't lead us into dead ends to destroy us, but to deliver us. Are you in a dead end? Is there a dead end in your life, a place of struggle in your life where you're tempted to doubt God's goodness, his calling on you, your identity as his son and daughter? his existence, that he even is real or that he hears you because you are being tested. He is drawing out of you that persevering strength. But the enemy is whispering lies into your heart that you are abandoned, that you are alone, and that you should just give up. You guys, we're talking about being in a street fight. And the fact of the matter is Jesus is training us had a fight. I think we get a little surprised in this world when we come into a fight. We're thinking like, God, you're so awesome. Why am I fighting? And we think that God is just going to do all the fighting. We can just cruise along. It's going to be easy. But that's not what he sends the disciples to do. If you've been following, he's been sending his disciples out to fight by faith for the kingdom. He's like, you're going to speak about me You're going to talk to people about me. You're going to bring healing into people's lives. And get this, you're going to kick evil out of people's lives. You're going to take authority over evil. And you are going to bring my power and my goodness to those around you. Jesus has called us into a street fight. And he's got to strengthen us to have to enter that fight and not get discouraged. To not be deceived that we're in a fight because God's abandoned us 
we're in a fight because God is drawing out of us the faith that's going to release his goodness. Come on now. Where is that place for you? Look at this woman and the way she responds. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon's gone. Now, this moment is such a moment of faith. Look at Matthew 15, 28, where Jesus describes this moment in a lot of color. Look at this moment, 15, 28. In the same encounter, Matthew records this, that Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. When we go through these moments where God is hidden from us, it's not to hide from you, it's to hide for you, it's to develop in you a persevering faith, and persevering faith is what we need to fight that good fight. It's what allows us to press through the obstacles to see a breaking through of God's goodness in us, in our children, in our community, our neighbors, and in our world. Where is that for you? Where is this in your life? Where are you tempted to mistake the fight as a place where God has abandoned you and left you alone? Think about all the places where Jesus has been doing this. Let me give you a couple. Do you remember Jairus when he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, will you heal my daughter? And he's like, oh yeah, I'll heal your daughter. All right, and then what happened? What happened? The daughter died. How could Jesus do that? How could he let that happen? Do you remember what happened when the disciples were on the sea and Jesus was asleep? What did they think? Oh, Jesus, you don't care. And how about the Pharisees when Jesus was letting in all the sinners? What did they think? Jesus has gone soft on sin. He's letting everybody in. He was testing them. He was testing them. But when you guys, when we hold on to persevering faith, when we, let, when we allow God to develop that persevering faith in us, it's not to hide from us, it's to hide for us. It allows greater degrees of his goodness to be poured out onto our life because he's got to help us through that faith to get past all the barriers that come up when we're waiting on God. And barriers, they come up that God doesn't care about me. That's a barrier. That God doesn't really hear me. That God doesn't, he's not in my life. These are real barriers that will come up. Where, where is that for you right now? Where do you feel that God has got you in a fight? He's calling you into it because he wants to bless you. Now, let's just lighten things up for a minute. Look at this real quick. I love coffee. Anyone here love coffee? Yeah. Come on now, people. We've, maybe you're feeling like you need some right now. <laughs> Look at this right here. You know, I love French press. Our, co our automatic coffee maker broke the little machine. Yeah, anyways. So I've been doing this. It's a little more work, right? But you get better coffee, don't you? Oh, come on now, coffee lovers. You get a better coffee with the French press. You know it. Coffee snobs know. There's just a smoothness. There's just a richness to that flavor. You can't get with that silly drip. <laughs> Let's review the process of a French press for those of you who are uninitiated. What is the first step with the French press? The first thing, assuming you've got the whole beans, which is always better, you got fresh whole beans, and what, you, what do you have to do with the beans? You gotta grind those suckers, you gotta break them up, and you gotta crush them. Why do you gotta do that? You gotta break up and crush those beans 
because in breaking those beans, you are releasing the aroma and the flavor that you were addicted to. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Doesn't matter what time of day it is for me, man, I just smell, I get a whiff of that coffee, and whew, it's got me. I already just feel perked up, just smelling it. I just feel, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's some chemistry there. The second stage in the French press is you've crushed the beans, then what do you gotta do? Then you gotta steep it. You know what steeping is, where you pour that boiling water in there? And you don't just get right to the press, you gotta wait unless you want watered down coffee. So what do you do? I like to go five minutes. I don't know, it depends on how strong you want it. The, long, the, the stronger the flavor, the longer the steep. And you let that hot water sit with those broken, crushed coffee beans, and that hot water is drawing all that flavor out. Come on now. <laughs> I know, I'm getting you fired up. I want to highlight our new drink in the cafe right now. We got the holiday nut. No, I was joking, I was joking. But, but now... Let's go to the final step. You gotta press it. Now see, you go and just pour that thing in, you're gonna be chewing your coffee as much as you drink it. So you push it down, and it pushes all the grinds, all the brokenness gets pushed down, and all the sweet, thank you God coffee just rises up. She is the only Gentile at this point to come to Jesus. She's the only person to understand his parable. She's the only person in all the Gospels to beat Jesus at his own game. The only one who beats Jesus at his own game. Why is Jesus doing this to her? Why does he let her... Why? If her daughter's already hurting, why take it further? Why leave her steeping in it longer? Because there's something that he needs to draw out of her. And he's not doing it just for her. Because what he's doing for her is for her. He's doing it for her daughter. And he's doing it for us. Because I guarantee you, if you go back to Matthew, it says that the disciples told Jesus, send her away. She's annoying us. And Jesus is like, oh, really? In this moment, Jesus is drawing out something we all need to hear. Faith in Jesus makes outsiders insiders. Faith in Jesus takes crumbs and turns them into feasts. For the disciples, where they got five loaves of bread, you remember that? They didn't see enough. This woman looks at a crumb, and because of her faith in Christ goes, that is more than enough. We, we see all the reasons why we are disqualified from knowing God and experiencing God's goodness in our life, knowing him in a personal way, knowing him in a way that changes us, knowing him in a way that gets past all of our head knowledge, in a way that just flips us upside down and ready to make every sacrifice because of that goodness. He's saying there is nothing in your life that can disqualify you from his goodness. And he grabs this woman who has every reason to think she has no right at God's goodness. And the disciples are in on it too. They're like, she has no right here. And he's saying, oh, she has more right than you realize. Because when you come to me with faith, 
I give you that right. I give you the right for more goodness than you could even imagine. I will give you more than you would even ask for. And through this woman's moment, he's like, man, you saved this story because I want people for the next 2,000 years sitting at North Coast Calvary Chapel on what is today on November 20th to hear this story. Here she is speaking to all of us. Do you feel on the outside of God? Do you feel pushed aside? Do you feel ignored? Do you feel like there's something in your life that is so serious, so big, that God can't reach you? He's saying right here, look at this woman. She is not being denigrated in this moment. He is lifting her up as a trophy of his grace, that faith in Jesus is enough. And he will take your crumbs, and he will do more with your crumbs than you can do with all your bread on your own. Bring your brokenness. Bring all your doubts to God and get honest, get real with God. People of God, we are in a fight and we are not fighting because we're afraid to be offended with God. And you know what? We are more offended than we realize. I told you earlier in the series, you're going to get offended. And if this passage doesn't offend you, then you're not really taking God seriously. Because when you come to God to know him and he doesn't show up, you're offended. Let's be honest. You're offended and you're like, come on, God. Why aren't you hearing my prayer? And it's not because he's hiding from you. He's hiding for you. I want to invite the band out. As you go to the band, I want you to think about one thing as you go there. When Jesus went to the cross, ever wonder why Jesus had to die? Why wasn't Jesus just like, you know, go and die in his sleep? Why did he have to be crushed on the cross? Ever wonder that? Wouldn't it have been easier if Jesus just kind of went to sleep one night? It's like, boom, dead, just gone. And it's like, all right, I did it, I died. On the cross, Jesus was crushed. And the crushing of his body, the fragrance and the power of his saving grace for you was released through his blood. And he didn't just die in an instant. He hung on that cross all day. And hanging there on the cross, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was rejected, and then all that, you're like, man, God, why are you doing that to Jesus? Why are you making him hang there like that? He was steeping. All that power was just being drawn out of him. So that when you are pressed in your faith, you would know there's nothing you're going to face alone without God. He's going to be there, and he's with you. What he did on the cross removed every barrier between you and him so that if you will persevere, he's promising you, you're going to see more of him. You've got to fight. We've got to fight. And that fight doesn't earn God's grace. It makes room for it. You've got to fight for your marriage. You've got to fight for your children. You've got to fight for this country, for this world. And if you don't fight with persevering faith, you're going to be tempted to fight with the weapons of this world and realize you brought a squirt gun to a bazooka fight. <laughs> and God is, needs to teach us how to persevere in faith because he wants to pour out his goodness on us. Let's go into this song. Let's do some business with God. Where is that for you? Where, just 
Where is that for you? Is it a doubt? Is it some unanswered prayer? Is it some place of pain? Is it some challenge that makes you feel like God is not in your life? Bring that to God right now. Bring your broken heart. Bring your broken parts and let God bring his glory. Right before I came out here this morning, Chris and Nicole Baker let us know that they are in a street fight for their son, their unborn son, Barrett, who has hypoplastic left heart syndrome. They're getting the baby induced on Monday morning. The left side of the heart doesn't work, and the baby will have to be rushed into a heart transplant. This morning, I just wanted to invite you just to start fighting, to contend with me for Barrett and to declare God's love and purpose over this unborn child. And we just declare the blessing, the love over, God, over unborn children. And right now, Barrett has a name. And God has a blessing for Barrett. We don't know what it is yet, but we're going to contend together for, with Nicole and Chris for their son. Will you just join me in praying for God's healing in Barrett's heart? Let's pray for a supernatural healing, but let's also pray for a healing from the doctors. However God wants to do it, let's pray together in this moment as they're facing this challenge. I know they're going to be, they're watching online. So let's really lift this, bear it up to them. Lord, let's just put a, put a hand out as a sign that you are reaching out to God on Barrett's behalf. Just as a physical sign, God, I'm reaching out. Lord, we are here to fight. We're here to wrestle like Jacob wrestled with you. We're here to fight, God. Not, we're not going to let you go until you give us a blessing. God, we pray for your blessing on Barrett. We pray for your blessing on his heart. We pray for healing through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray for healing through the wisdom and the skill of those doctors. We pray, God, that you would give Barrett a new heart and that you would give him a long life and that he would do all that, God, you have purposed him to do and be all that you have made him to be. We bless Barrett with your love. We declare your love over his life right now in Jesus' name. Just cry out to the Lord. Say, Lord, heal Barrett. Just say it out loud with your lips. Just, just say it out loud. Lord, we, just, we pray, heal Barrett. Come on, lift it up. Lord, we pray, heal Barrett. Lord, we pray for your grace on him. And Lord, we lift up Chris and Nicole. We pray that, God, you would strengthen them with a persevering faith in this hour of challenge that God, you are not hidden from them, you are hidden for them, and that God, you are not disregarding them, but you are drawing out of them a deeper faith for a deeper work, we pray. Bless them, Lord, comfort them, speak to their hearts. I pray for every parent in this room that is in a street fight for their kid, that is in a fight for their health, for their faith, for their well-being. We just pray for every parent to be strengthened with persevering faith in Jesus' name. And I pray for everyone in this room, God, who has some place where they have felt that you are hidden from them and that, God, they would understand what you mean when you say in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And may this promise, just right now, I pray, would reach your heart today. I will be found by you. You need to hear that this morning? I'm praying it over you right now. You're here this morning, not by chance, because God wants you to hear these very words. I'm going to read it again. 
listen to God speak to your heart. I will be found by you. Now, if you just repeat after me, just follow my words, I will be found by you. Let's say it again. I will be found by you. Lord, we just declare your truth over our doubts, over our uncertainties, over our pain. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are so good, God. And you're calling us into a fight that you have already won. But God, you want to release your goodness through us as we bring our trust towards you. Let us be like this woman, God. Let us be like her, God. And cling to you and hold on and break through those barriers knowing that your goodness is more than enough. In Jesus' name. All right, all right. There we go, we're done. We did it. Ah, uh, so good to get serious with God. We got a prayer team, we opened up some big stuff. If you need prayer, ah, oh, come on. We got some powerhouse prayer people. Come down, get prayer in the tent, in the chapel, and here. Come let us pray for you. If we touch on something really painful, don't just leave with that wound, let us intercede. Come on down, guys, we wanna, we wanna pray for you. Have a great week.